Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Joshua 6 and verse 1. It says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round, go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And the seven, and seven priests shall bear the ark of the seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpet. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. I gather my thought from verse 3 when it says, Go round about the city once, thus shalt thou do six days. I want to talk for a few minutes about the idea of power walking. Jesus name we can be seated power walking not so much the the exercise that middle-aged people tend to take up it seems power walking in a different context in the world of physics trumpets and shouting do not walls knock down walls you you didn't need me someone who's not a physicist to tell you that we know that it's the Lord God and his mighty power but again I emphasize verse 3 there were six days where the children of Israel took a walk, where they walked around the city silently one time. There were six days where they walked. Before God did a miracle, they walked for six straight days. I'm emphasizing this point. Their shout and instrument blasts would have been powerless without the six days of walking. That's what I want to spend some time on. I gave you the punchline early, but the shout was powerless without the walk. With no walk, there's no power. With, with a power walk, there is great power. And I feel led tonight, church, to tell you there needs to be a walk with the Lord for the Holy Ghost to have power in your life. There needs to be a walk for your prayers to have power, for your worship to change the atmosphere. There has to be a walk for your ministry to be anointed. Amen. There has to be a walk. A walk Monday through Saturday. In other words, on the days there's not a coordinated church service. There has to be a walk on the days you're in your home. There has to be a walk when there's nothing on the schedule. A power walk. For revival to happen in this church or anywhere else, it starts with individual people getting up and taking a lap. Taking a lap with their Bible. Taking a lap into their prayer closet taking a lap fasting, in fervent prayer as a family in the home. And I, and I realize, church, if, as I talk about this today, it, it would be very easy for us to else. And it's another idea or thought around consistency in prayer. It's another read your Bible, pray every day. But I, but I want to emphasize the power that comes with a consistent prayer life, the power and the anointing that comes with a walk. Because when you walk six days a week, when you walk before you need a prayer, before you need a miracle, those prayers are that much more powerful. That worship is that much more powerful. I want, you, I want us to, to just try to give this our attention for a few minutes. 
It starts with God's people developing a walk. If you go to 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 11, one simple verse, it says, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually, continually seeking the face of God, continually walking, not just Sunday, not just Wednesday. I'm gonna go to Daniel chapter six and verse 10. One of my favorite passages of scripture. I will read a few verses, so settle in. Daniel chapter six and verse 10 says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Some context here, they had just signed the decree, right? That, which said that if anyone worshiped any God except Darius, they would be sent into the den of lions in all of Babylon. It says Daniel knew this. The first thing he does is opens every window, opens every door, and he prays out loud as he did every single day before that. These men, these wise men, as they were called, assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplications before his God. Verse 12, then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any God or or a man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. The king answered and said, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored until the going down of the sun to deliver him. These men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is that no decree nor statue with the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now, The king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. It's a long passage of scripture, but it it speaks to the point so perfectly. It amazes me, the courage and the faith of Daniel. Every time I read this, it's overwhelming, the faith that he has in God. And it's no coincidence there is a power in, God, in serving God continually, walking with him continually. Daniel has a power walk. Not one single time in all of the book was there a mention of Daniel being afraid. Not one single time did he demonstrate fear or was he concerned for his safety. They sign this decree and he starts praying out loud in his home for everyone to see. He's fearless because of his walk with God. He's fearless. And what always got me, the Lord revealed this to me several years ago, is when Darius, it says he labors to try to free Daniel from this affliction. He labors to try to rescue him from the den of lions. And there's no way. He can't outsmart this decree. He can't get around it. But when they're lowering him into the den of lions, suddenly he has this confidence about him. Suddenly he has this faith in God to deliver him. The only rational explanation I can come up with is Daniel's faith was so strong, it had so much resolve that it was contagious to King Darius. Suddenly he looks upon Daniel and he says, thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Amen. 
Daniel had a power walk. He's praying three times a day. I can't tell you that I, that I have a three time per day prayer life. I wish that I did. But Daniel did. His faith was contagious. It was so strong because of his walk. And later on in the same chapter, verse 25, it says, Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his, king, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. This is a Persian king that's a heathen. He has no walk with the Lord himself, but he's declaring unto the entire world, men tremble and fear the God of Daniel. That's powerful. I just wonder what would happen if we had a walk like Daniel. If we could put down a remote control and spend an hour in prayer if our walk got to that point. If you could read your Bible every chance you got and you could hide it in your heart and let it penetrate you in every way. If you could cause, you know, watch what God would do. The people he would cause to suddenly declare the greatness of God. Darius declares the greatness of God in his entire kingdom, his entire nation. Who else would declare the greatness of God in their lives if we had a power walk? What doors would open for people to be witness to? Who would suddenly be receptive to the power of God because of the change they see in you when you walk six days a week? It starts with building an altar in your home. Genesis 6, chapter 9 says, These are the generations of Noah. New character. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Noah had a power walk. Let me prove it further. Genesis 8, chapter 15 through 20, it says, And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee and of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth. And be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kind went forth out of the ark. In verse 20, and Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Notice this, this is, you'll see this in the Old Testament. There's just this it's reiteration, this exact word for word. God gives an instruction and it's followed to the decimal point, right? And, it, and it's, a, it's significant of obedience. It's indicative of obedience. It's, it's demonstrating that. But in this case, Noah was obedient in every single way, but he went one step further. He built an altar. He chose to worship because he had a power walk, because he walked with God. That's the type of man Noah was. And Noah was, he was not instructed, but he chose to because that was his walk. We need men and women to start building altars in the home. We need altars in the home. We need prayer rooms in the home. We need places of Holy Ghost outpouring in the home. We need altars in our homes. Joshua, back to our first character in Exodus 33, 11. 
One of my favorite passages in all of scripture it says, the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, had departed not from the tabernacle. Remember Joshua in our opening text, conquering nations with shouting and trumpets, being used by God mightily for the nation of Israel. As a young man, as a youth person, his walk was so powerful, they couldn't even drag him out of the tabernacle. When Moses turned around, he was still in there building an altar before the God. He was building a monument of prayer. He was building a walk that was powerful. He was power walking as a young man. And don't disregard that the nation of Israel was obedient and submitted to a man of God that had a power walk. When you submit to a man of God, you put yourself under his spiritual protection. You gain access to the miracles that happened because of his walk. Don't discredit their obedience and the power that came of it. I pray that God would give me such a walk where they can't keep me out of the tabernacle, where they can't keep me out of the house of God, out of the prayer room. And that's part of a power walk, being in the tabernacle. If the pastor opens the doors to the church, I'm bringing my family to the tabernacle. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad to be in the tabernacle? If there's a prayer meeting on the same night as a soccer practice, I'm choosing heaven over the select team. I'll <laughs> we could talk for hours on that, but, but this world and, the, and this society and, and these games and practices on Sundays and Wednesdays and this, this constant attack on the church it's time to put aside our professional athleticism aspiration. We need to get to the house of God. We need heaven more than we need athletics and trophies and accolades. I'll just be the one to say it. And if there's church on Wednesday night, I'm going to the tabernacle. If there's church on Wednesday night, I'm going to be there. And let me say this, I don't care if it's 5.30 or 6.30 or 7 o'clock or noon and I got to take off of work, I want to get to the tabernacle because I'm desperate for God and I'm hungry for God. We need a power walk and being in the tabernacle is part of that. Praise God. Notice this, there was still a seventh day where they walked seven times and they shouted. There were six days of walking in silence, six days of walking on their own, in their own prayer room, in their own closet. But there was a seventh day when they all got together and they shouted together and they lifted up their praise and they played their instrument and they walked seven times, they went an extra mile. There's still an importance on that seventh day to be in the house of God. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Do not forsake being in the house of God with the church family. There was still a seventh day and you can feel like you're dragging sometimes. You're struggling to get into the building. It's unbelievable how we all get up at, well, I don't, but five, six o'clock in the morning. It impresses me. But somehow trying to wake up at nine o'clock on a Sunday is the most difficult thing you do all week. Somehow Wednesday is always the worst day of your entire work week. You ever notice that? It's just me. <laughs> it's true. But when you walk all week, it gets a little bit easier to get up on that Sunday morning. When you walk all week, 
You're excited for work to be done, to get to the house of God on a Wednesday night because God's changing you. He's, he's, he's given you the hunger that you didn't have before. So what happens when you have a power walk? You have faith and peace in the face of every attack from hell, even if it's a lion's den. Your prayer has power. King Hezekiah pray, had a power walk. He prayed for his life and God granted him 15 years. The same God yesterday as it is today. Your prayers have healing power. When my loved ones or my church family need a healing, I want to have already been praying fervently. When somebody I love needs a miracle, I don't want to have just started having a walk in a prayer life because now I need something. I want to have already been praying like my life depended on it, like their life depended on it so that the healing power of God is ready to work as soon as I pray over somebody. Somebody, I stole that. I heard it preached that way. But it, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. How often do we get so fervent and, and excited about our prayers when somebody you love needs something miraculous? But only then. What happens before that? What about when everything's okay? What about when I don't necessarily need anything that moment? I don't want to let God down that way. In the case of Noah, you are saved from the destruction of the world. Let me remind you, God promised not to destroy the world with a flood again, but he did not promise not to destroy it with fire and brimstone. That's not part of the rainbow, right? He will destroy it again. He's coming back for his church. And your walk is what's gonna save you from that destruction. Your walk is what's gonna put you on the ark. It's what's gonna carry you into heaven. Your walk saves you. Your worship, when you have a power walk, it changes the atmosphere, and the outcome. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. When there's an anointed worshiper that steps out in faith in a service, when there's an anointed musician that starts to play. I'm thankful for a wife with a heart of worship. It's powerful. It's powerful when the, when the minstrel comes to play. It's powerful when the anointed people start to minister. It changes the atmosphere. And it just might be the touch of God that a guest needs so desperately where they are in life. Because of the walk that you brought into your service. Because of the walk that you brought into your tabernacle. David had a power walk. There's endless examples. I won't give them all. I told our youth kids I had 20 pages of notes. I was kidding. <laughs> it's nine. <laughs> They're double spaced though, and I do a lot of spacing to keep scriptures on the same page, so bear with me. First um, Samuel chapter 16, verse 17. First Samuel 16 and 17. We're doing okay. And Saul said unto his servant, provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is cunning in playing and a mighty valiant man and a man of war and prudent in matters and a comely person and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son 
unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass... When the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took in harp and played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. All that time David was tending sheep out in the field and was an afterthought and was forgotten, he was developing a walk. He was worshiping on his harp. He was playing before the Lord. And that carried with him to the end of his life. He had a walk though. And it was so powerful. It was so evident and and outwardly that these random servants of Saul, they took notice of it. And and I don't remember these statistics, but in advertising and, and anything, they say you have to see things three times, seven times, I don't know what it is. But in other words, for them to have such a, a, a memory of this, it says he, he is cunning in his playing. He is a mighty valiant man. He's prudent in matters and the Lord is with him. They took notice and this had to have happened over the course of time in numerous instances. So much so, they, they witnessed his consistency in his walk. All that time he was tending sheep, he was worshiping and praising and praying before his God so much that everyone noticed and they brought him before the king. They remembered. This blows me away. It says, then when he played for Saul, the worship was so anointed that the same evil spirit that God himself sent on Saul would depart from him. God put that evil spirit on Saul because of the disobedience he had in his heart and the rebellion in his heart and the way he rejected God and the prophet. But David's (laughs) David's worship was so anointed, his walk was so strong that when he started to play, that same spirit, God, he released it just for a moment in time. That's the walk that he had. Oh, I pray that God would baptize us with a spirit like that, that we would have a walk that is so strong that we could even influence those things, those, the spirit world that can attack, that can be so vicious against people. In Jesus' name. Because of his walk, the Lord empowered David like no one else, gave him power to defeat the giant, and I might be messing this up, but I believe every enemy he ever faced, he ended up defeating. He couldn't help himself but to worship. We can stand. I'm gonna wrap up. Why don't we read one last passage of scripture in Acts chapter 16. Reads like this. Acts 16 and 23. It says, this is the story of Saul, Paul and Silas, excuse me. And it says, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. What you find out later in the book of 1 Corinthians is that Paul, it's kind of bragging, he speaks in tongues more than everyone, he says, more than everyone in Corinthians. Well, what that tells me is Paul may have had a walk with the Lord. He may have had a prayer life. He may have been consecrated to his God. Got a power walk. 
That makes his prayers powerful. When he's locked in the prison and he starts, starts praying and singing a few songs, suddenly, immediately, the doors are open and the bands are loosed. I want a prayer life like that. I want to have a power walk like that. And it's difficult. I don't claim to have, I don't claim to pray every single day. I heard an evangelist say that winter youth convention one time. We, we all well, read and pray every day. Well, if you're doing that fantastic, you know, 720 consecutive days, I'm so happy for you. You're breaking through on Christmas morning. <laughs> Praise God. But just to do it every chance you get, just to do your very best to break into the Holy Ghost, just to do your best to walk with the Lord, to get a hold of Him, to feel the outpouring. I started to say it a minute ago, but I never noticed this and I heard it said differently. When King David's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, we know the story, they stop every six paces and they, they offer up the offerings and they worship. For some reason, I had always got it in my head that that was what was requested of them. That was God's instruction. That was not an instruction of God. That same David who took the attention of Saul's servants, he was the same guy. And he just couldn't help himself but to worship. Every six steps, he just had to praise. He just had to worship. I praise God. And I pray that I would have a, a walk where I just can't help myself. Because it's begrudging when you start out. It's difficult to wake up early in the morning. It's harder for me than anyone. It's difficult to wake up in the morning. It's difficult to put down every other distraction and everything that this world, every burden that's put on you. Justified things. Responsibilities. It's difficult to put those aside and give God your time. It's, it's begrudging at first. But, but when you start doing it, when you start letting God into your life, when you start letting Him walk beside you, you can't help yourself but to worship there's nothing that can keep you from the tabernacle. And now your prayers have power when someone needs a healing because you've been consecrated and saturated by the Holy Ghost. It's Wednesday night on July 21st in 2021. Here's what's significant about that date. Absolutely nothing. But it's a perfect day to get consecrated. God, I'm going to pray every day that I remember. I'm going, to, I'm going to read every chance that I get. It might not be every single day, but I'm going to do my very best to walk with you daily. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that the only thing keeping us from you is us. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and we'll continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.